It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans and my cat, Sugar, who sits beside me here as we hit record for episode 143 of Lacrosse Classified here on the home of Lax Class, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we'll be here for the next, uh, I would say, hour and change as we've got a big program lined up. I keep saying we, so let me get my co-host in here once again. I'm Jake Elliott. This is Evan Schemenauer. It's a long weekend here, Evan, as we record on a hazy Sunday in BC. You're back in Saskatoon. How's the long weekend going? Uh, what have you been up to? What do you What do you got going on tomorrow for uh, for the day off? Well, tomorrow I got to actually get some work done because I still have a little bit of my old business to do. So, um, well, that's no just, fun. That's no fun, but. Actually, we made a day trip to Edmonton. Now, this is something that people in Vancouver be like, what are you thinking? Because we literally drove five and a half hours to Edmonton, got some stuff done, and drove home the same day, right? Where would you <laughs> but, end up if you drove the other way for five and a half hours? We'd be a couple hours away from Winnipeg. Okay. So, you're, so. I mean, there, there's no real good option there, period, then, right? Like, it's... No. Yeah. Yeah, so we got, we got that done, but, you know... Um, Big celebrations this last week. If Bermuda got its first Olympic gold medal, right? <laughs> I don't think we haven't stopped celebrating that one yet. And, and that was in what the marathon or something like that? In a triathlon, triathlon, okay. Laura Duffy in the tri- women's triathlon. It's an island of six. It's talk about sixty-five thousand. But actually, if you get rid of all the foreigners who can't compete for Bermuda at the Olympics, mm. it's forty-five thousand people, and. We had an Olympic team of two, Florida Duffy and one rower, right? So wow, and the what? Yeah, you, so fifty. They're batting fifty percent as far as gold medals go, right? Um, but you know, to finally see it happen, she had a few bad breaks the last couple of Olympics. You don't get many big sports stories out of Bermuda, so something yeah. like this will be celebrated for a long time. And of course, it happened right before Cup match, which is like a cricket match was like their biggest national holiday of the year. So okay. yeah, <laughs> they've been having it's a, it's a party like going on down there in Bermuda is what you're saying. Uh, speaking of the Olympics, like gut and, and women for that matter, like Canada, I think only one male has won a medal that just happened uh, quite recently. Andre de Grasse came up with bronze, but the women of team Canada are absolutely kicking ass at the Olympics. I love to see it. I want the men to pick it up here a little bit, but the women are going strong. But but here's the key to it, and that is in Canada, they fund men and women equally. Mm. And in fact, the women get a little bit more of the Olympic funding only because the Own the Podium funding is based on your likelihood of getting a medal, mm-hmm. right? Other countries don't fund women equally. So therefore, countries like Canada and the U.S. and what have you that do it have a much better chance of racking up a lot of medals because there's less competition from other countries. 
Yeah, Jim Shear on the podium. Well, uh, we, we heard about it last week there from the CEO across Canada stealing that. Listen up, other countries. Field your, uh, you know, fund your, your programs here equally and, and look exactly. what happens. Exactly. Uh, Evan, this is a lacrosse podcast, so we need to talk some lacrosse here on Lax Class. And we got another monster lined up. As per usual here, calls to the hall coming up next quarter, and you'll like this one, Evan. Uh, the seventh official going in, you being a former official, seventh official going into the NLL Hall of Fame, Roy Condon, uh, checking it. 23 years in the NLL refing. Pretty incredible stuff. Looking forward to a great conversation with Roy Condon. That's coming up in quarter two. Quick sticks, lots to chew on in quarter number three. And Stampede Stallion of the Week in quarter number four. Now, Evan, it's it's your selection this week. I've been poking and prodding you, trying to, to come up with uh, with a stallion for me. And as we hit the record button here for EP143, you haven't you haven't come up with one yet. So we're we're flying by the seat of our pants a little bit, coming up with a stallion Maybe in quarter four. You on the spot. Yeah. How about that? Well, that wouldn't be the first time. So what, that's okay. I'll be prepared either way because I'm pretty confident that no matter who the stallion is, I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to talk and, and know something about that guy for sure. So we'll look forward to that in quarter number four. Uh, let's let's do this, Seven. It's big focus time. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. The big focus this week, Evan. Big focus, focus. Focus. Uh, big focus this week, Evan, is uh, as we record here on a Sunday, it is officially unrestricted free agent season here in the National Lacrosse League. Now, it's it's about, well, just before 5 o'clock, uh, well, just after 5 o'clock Eastern. No news has come down the socials of the National Lacrosse League. I haven't gotten any inside information I'm, I'm willing to divulge quite yet, so... Maybe a little speculation time here on who, as far as the top names, the big-time unrestricted free agents, will they re-sign with their team, or could we see a little movement from some of the stars around the league? Well, and here's the tricky part, is that because the transaction listing hasn't been updated yet at the time we're recording, we'll get that in the morning. There may have been some guys that were signed or franchised before midnight on the 31st. Yeah, I guess that's the drawback right. of, of recording on a Sunday, right? Uh, what, and if we don't catch it this week, we'll obviously chew on it uh, chew on it next week. But for, mm-hmm. for this week here in the Big Focus 7, if you had to, to yep. kind of handicap things, who, who are you looking at to either stay or who are you looking at to maybe move? Well, there's a lot of names on this list, and you know, one guy, one person to follow on Twitter, if you want to follow along with this, mm. is a Twitter handle, NLL Moves. Very good. Thank you for doing this for a simple reason, because Ryan and I used to have to do that on our own. It took forever to keep that database up to date. Um, when you look at the forwards that hadn't signed as of the end of when the transactions were released Friday morning, okay, these are the unrestricted free agents, Garrett Billings. Okay, uh, Dan Dawson. Does Dan Dawson 
call it quits? Does he re-sign in Toronto? Does he? He's probably going to stick close to home. He's staying he in Toronto, be. Evan. I'm pretty confident right. Dan Dawson is not going okay. anywhere at this point of his career. Marty Dinsdale, here's one mm-hmm. that the Rush have signed a ton of righties. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if there's space for him in in Saskatchewan at this point. Well, but this is one of these guys that if if he's out there, you need him because this is a guy that's going to crash and bang inside and get your get your stars wide open. Right? I, I think you know there's some insurance policies in case Marty decides to do something a little different, and you never know. Still very effective mm-hmm. is Matthew Dinsdale, and I know you know they they want to keep him there whether they do or not. That you know that might mm-hmm. not be up to them. So. Right. We'll have to wait and see on Matthew Dinsdale. Uh, let's go down the list here, Evan. Dane Doby. Yeah. yeah, here's uh, here's an interesting one as well. Calgary has been, I don't know, like they they've been a little tight uh, with what they've been given players as of late. But I would say here, and, and I'm walking out on a pretty thick limb, Evan. If there's one guy deserving of of Max and maybe a little top up on top of that. As far as the roughneck organization goes, it's number 44. Like, pay them. Yeah, they, they can figure out secondary compensation. Now, the roughnecks have burnt their franchise tag on Curtis Dixon. So, but the, the fact is, Dolby's 34. He could reject the franchise tag anyways. Zach Greer is the next one on the list. Here's an interesting scenario. Now, keeping in mind, there's a few players that are going to have this where They've got a very well-paying career outside of lacrosse. And Zach right? has it in Dallas-Fort Worth. So does he go play for his brother again, or does he stick close to home where he can spend more time on his very well-paying career when with his family? Yeah, don't be we'll surprised if Section 88 is, is staying at home. I That, wouldn't, that one almost like... That one's almost like simple arithmetic there, Evan. Even mm-hmm. I could make that equation work for, for Greer and Dallas uh, and Panther City. Right. Adam Jones is on the list. This is a guy, if he's going to play, I don't think he's going anywhere. No. Because he's got that teaching career in Owen Sound. The travel is constantly a problem. He's not going far if he's going anywhere. Yeah, let's let's Keo. Yeah, Keo's not there. Gonna, Keo's probably going to stay in Halifax. I don't want to. I don't want to kill the whole show here, going through no, every know, single but, one. Uh, so let's let's kind of let's skim over here. I'd say Keo staying. Jeremy Lee. Thompson is a one that's there. Yeah, Thompson's an interesting one. He's and a fan and I, I can't see how he signs in Saskatchewan. Um, they, they need. They got. They got salary problems. They, they can't sign everybody, right? They can't no. sign everybody in Saskatchewan. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. This is going to piss off Rush Nation, no question about it. He gets the biggest cheer in the intros. So if they lose JT, that's that's going to be a loss. But they got but uh, Messenger there the taking draws. And, place that they have to, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, I would say Ryan Lee Stan. I would say McArdle Stan. Joel McCready, I believe, is very close to signing if he has not signed already for the Vancouver Warriors. So I'll put that out there right well, now. Um, and then the Rush have the Corbeil Rubish situation. Well, listen, uh, we're going to talk about to that. The franchise tag on somebody. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in quick six because I got that listed down, but. Rube's got the franchise slapped on him, which means that Chris Corbiel is staying in Saskatchewan because those two are joined at the hip. They're roommates. I don't think they want to roommate with anybody else. They want to play their entire career. 
with each other. So wherever Rubish goes or wherever Corbeil goes, the other one is going to follow along, I would say. So expect Corbeil to be back in Saskatchewan too, which covers him off. And I think Sorokhetti would be back as well, just simply because he's got opportunities in Saskatchewan. He went out of his way. He sat out a year and then signed in the year that wasn't back in Saskatchewan. So yeah. I think I think that one's pretty safe. Unrestrict- Nick Rose, Nick Rose, I don't see going anywhere. No, he's right? not. But Absolutely. Evan Kirk, yeah, Kirk's Kirk's a question mark for sure. Um, he could easily be back. He could easily not be back. They do have Shoot and Dunkerley signed up, so they get, they're covered there in case. But they they want make him work back in Saskatchewan as well. It's just a matter of whether Evan Kirk yeah. wants to brand new second kid there as well. So a lot lot going on in the Kirk household as and- well. And Matt Beers, if he's a free agent, there's there's a franchise tag getting a play there. I would think. I would think. Couple of transition guys. Uh, Travis Cornwall is unrestricted. I don't know if he's signing back in Saskatchewan. I don't think he was offered a contract the last time around as well. So he could be on the move. Uh, Panther City might come a calling for one. Travis Cornwall I maybe back in Saskatchewan. I'm not. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Well, but they also remember they just traded away Justin Robinson, right? True. Very true. So. There is a potential roster spot open. couple more here. Dan Coates is one I think we need to mention here, Evan. Of course, rejecting the franchise tag of uh, the, from the Georgia Swarm, which leads me to believe that he's not signing a contract down south. Well, down south, but not in Georgia. That's an interesting one because Mike Poulin was offered the franchise tag and he refused it but still signed with the Swarm. Mm-hmm. But the Swarm have been cutting salary the last little bit. And this is one thing to keep in mind. Um some of this might not make sense as to what's going to happen in the next several days, but there are some teams that are looking at this from a standpoint of, we haven't had any revenue in a year and a half. Yeah, We're going to keep salaries down. And that might mean that some of their free agents are just going to be let go. Other teams are looking at it from the standpoint of, if other teams are going to let these guys go, we're picking them up. We don't care what we got to spend. Yeah. And you would think, that Panther City would be one of those teams that's knocking on every unrestricted free agent's door and saying, you know, what's it going to take to to get you down here to Fort Worth? Exactly, because they have, what, maybe 15 players officially signed at this point in time, right? Lots of room. Lots of room. Lots of room on on the roster, lots of room on the cap, and – you know they want to they they want to roll out properly down there as well and need to get some wins under their belt early so they they need to coax a few guys to to come down and listen if if they can get like one or two to to commit and guys see that then it might be easier to get 3 4 and 5 you know what i'm saying there Well exactly and you look at the San Diego uh, San Diego situation when they first came in they went and signed everybody in sight and figured it out, right? Yeah, yeah. And they picked up a number of hidden gems just by inviting that many guys to camp and seeing what they could get. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, I don't know if you saw, well, we'll talk about it again in Quick Sticks, but uh, Vancouver making a deal for Alexis Bouquet, which leaves their goalie stable packed with Penny, Fryer, Bouquet, Tack, Harris, like. Some competition going to go down at Warriors camp in between the pipes there. But, you know, for a fifth-round pick, you, you, make you that probably deal. take that chance. 
You know, and he's living local. Keep, he keep knows him, Yeah, knows him from his belly days. Like he know, he knows what he's uh-huh. getting out of Bouquet. And and again, like creating that internal competition, never a bad thing. Well, and the asking price for Bouquet just a few years ago was a first round. Yeah. No, right? I know. Well, he got yeah. They, they paid you. Bouquet's got to figure out. Like I, I watched him in in that North Shore Ladner series um, over the last couple of weeks, and he's looked pretty solid. Like I'll, I'll give him that for sure. But he's playing with a massive wooden goal stick between his legs and a, and a bit of a smaller net as well. And I think that's the biggest thing that he needs to figure out is how to play with the small stick. Mm-hmm. And if he can do that, then then he's going to give you some some good minutes. That's that's one of the key things because there's a handful of goaltenders in the NLL that just can play big and play percentages. Yeah, you know guys like Nick Rose, uh, Jameson, what have you, right? That's another thing uh, that Brody McDonald really had an issue. Like great with the big stick, just could not quite figure it out with the small one. It's a big difference. Right. It's a really big Most difference. Of- most of the top goaltenders in the NLL are guys that move, right? Yeah. So that's it's only a three-inch difference on the net, but it makes all the difference in the world. Well, when you plus, got plus the smaller stick, yeah. When you got guys that can sting corners at 80, 90 miles an hour from thirty feet out, like three inches is a lot for those guys. That's a lot. Um, Evan, that was a big big focus let's take a break and let's get veteran official brand new hall of famer 23 years in the national lacrosse league as a referee roy condon is coming up next nll calls to the hall here on lacrosse classified next associated labels and packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service with 40 years of experience an extensive product catalog and an ever-growing fleet of equipment. Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Steve Toll. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you and also with us as they have been since day number one. Associated Labels and Packaging, best in the business when it comes to labels and packages. You can find them at AssociatedLP.com, focusing on quality, ethics, and of course, family-owned down there in Coquitlam for over... 40 years always on the cutting edge of technology a huge catalog the best machinery and the environment is always on the forefront with associated labels and packaging and that's why we love them and you love them too associatedlp.com as we're into the second quarter here and that means it's time for another call to the hall as we reach out to veteran official of 23 years in the National Lacrosse League. Three championship games in there as well and a brand new NLL Hall of Famer, the seventh official to go into the hall, Roy Condon on the podcast. Roy, great to uh, be able to get you on the podcast here and chat about your illustrious career. First off, congratulations on your Hall of Fame induction. Now, tell me where you were when you got the call and, and what the reaction was. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Um, yeah, I was actually home. Um, it was, I guess, uh, this past 
uh, spring, early summer that um, I had known that they had done some recognition in the past, um, had, but I knew that nothing had been recent. And I got, got a call from Brian Lemon, who uh, when the, the ID on the phone went on, it was like, wow, you know, I haven't heard from Brian in a long time. You probably refed a few games um, with Brian playing in him. Yeah, yes, I did. Yes, I did. We, <laughs> we had we had many a discussion at some of our meetings about you know again going way back. Um, and more importantly, I think that you know as uh, I thank the committee as well that uh, it's nice that uh, the contribution of officials in the early days uh, were being recognized. Um, I obviously go way back with Tambo uh, and some of the other guys, so uh, I'm honored to represent. You know, those that have come with me and before me, or I guess there really weren't too many before me. Tambo did the uh, Arrow League the year before. Uh, but I'm humble and uh, grateful. And Mike French called uh, to course. give me the good news that, yeah. um, you know, in addition to being nominated, that I was um, going to be inducted. So, it, uh, you know, it, again, Mike French and I go back. I actually, uh, in one part of the MILL, uh, served as the director of officials so that I was in, you know, some of the GM meetings sure. uh, in the yearly thing. So um, it was uh, nice to get that call and uh, going, you know, again, we, we're getting to talk about some old times. Yeah, well. Uh, 19, I think, what, 88 or something like that. Yeah, 89 to, I think, 2011 is, is when the career spanned from. But uh, And we'll get into to some of those, those, illustri- those great games that, took place back in in the odd and the spectrum and in the boston garden and stuff like that but like 50, sure. 50 years of of officiating here roy you've done field lacrosse high school pro outdoor lacrosse box lacrosse of course was there what tell me what drew you to not only refereeing but the sport of lacrosse uh i was introduced to lacrosse at uh, umass all phys ed majors actually uh took an introductory course and uh, I had played freshman football and realized I really wasn't going anywhere, not being on scholarship or anything else, and looking for something in the spring rather than spring football, and got involved. Back then, freshmen had their own team, so that was a real nice introduction. And then um, advanced uh, my sophomore year onto the varsity. We had a um, very experienced team, but um, I was fortunate enough to – uh, played crease defense uh, on a team that the ball was always down at the other end of the field. So I, I looked like an All-American at that time. Um, and uh, then, with uh, again, being in phys ed, intramurals, uh, introduced us to officiating, uh, that you had to inter- uh, officiate some intramural classes. Yeah, if you wanted to play and then, the ref, right? Uh, like you, you couldn't play. And right, not, and yeah, then, so. I went in, yeah, then, then I went into basketball. Uh, and then after basketball, I got uh, injured uh, halfway through my junior year in lacrosse. So Vinny Labello, who was the chief referee at the time, just asked me to to do a couple of uh, scrimmages. And uh, that kind of introduced me and got the bug. And then um, in 1971, I started to work uh, lacrosse as a full season. And then I came to Boston, I graduated, came to Boston. And again, I, I came to Boston at the time of the uh, lacrosse boom, the growth, both at the high school and the collegiate level. So I think some of the pedigree from UMass came with me. And I was I just fortunate to be the right guy at the right time, the right geographical location as 
Boston started to uh, enter a number of areas, both collegiately and then uh, professionally. One thing I was going to ask you, you know, being from Massachusetts, um, NLL season's over with. Of course, you're now fully into your MLL season most years. How did you stay on top of the box lacrosse game when you have, you know, a, a fairly significant off season? Um, well, you, 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 you kind of watch some tape. Uh, you stay with it. Um, it's funny that at the onset, the collegiate officials, administrators were very reluctant to uh, let box lacrosse officials do collegiate games. Uh, then we said, hey, we're independent contractors. You know, they really can't stop people from doing it. But then there was uh, the chance that they weren't going to give us NCAA appointments until we started to show the history saying the people that had been in the, I'll say the final four or the most successful field lacrosse officials were coming from box. Um, box was that faster yeah. so that, um, you know, we, we continue to do field. And then obviously the first games that you would get back into box so that there'd be scrimmages and we do clinics actually did a couple of, we've had high school people that were just playing indoor as soon as the, the Blazers started. Right. They were they weren't playing box lacrosse, but they were playing indoor, uh, so that we would go over there, so that you at least had the the boards and the um, the surroundings, uh, shorter distances to to be involved with the sticks. Speaking but I, I, again, uh, I think just doing the clinics and constantly, I, I worked four seasons a year, so I guess it really stayed. You're stayed out, you're always doing something, right? And we we had. Uh... Your other counterpart, Bill Fox, Foxy, on on a couple yep. of weeks ago, and and it's interesting, you know, like the game, as as much as it stayed the same, Roy, it's changed a lot, and within the rules here, and and the rules have developed the game. Oh, sure. It and and Bill was kind of talking about how he was part of those discussions on forming the rule book, and and maybe they would come across a situation in a game where there wasn't a rule for it, and they kind of had to make a call on the fly, and then afterwards they'd be like, okay, well that happened, we need to put this in. Were, yep. you, were you in those discussions as well, helping mold the NLL rule book over the years? Yeah, I think, you know, we had a, an expression that we con- constantly said, who, what, where, when, why, and then how that changed to try and figure out what play was happening and in the middle of the game, what if something else happened? Um, again, a, a perfect example was goalie interference became a with the, the speed of the game and it is an integral part of the game uh, to keep people from intentionally reaching in, making contact with the goalie, stopping the play, which was a, a field mechanic. You know, you reached in, the interference, the whistle blew, and it stopped everything. Uh, so then they put in the two-minute foul. Well, then we had a situation where, again, it was Sal Lacasio with three seconds left was taking a shot on goal. You know, and now is the contact on the follow-through that yeah. is that trying to stop a fast break? You know, what happens if there's contact on that. So we were just constantly after every game, we would talk and things happened again. You know, when we're starting, there wasn't a lot of video. Uh, there was a game of the week, you know, so that you videotaped that you looked at that. Uh, we discussed it, um, but there really wasn't a lot. The teams had their own 
sure. you know, VHS yeah. tape. And then we went into the point where, yes, but then we would get a, uh, a DVD disc. Uh, and I, I'm not sure <laughs> a brand new world when the DVDs came out, right? Right, like that was that was yeah, groundbreaking um, stuff. I I laugh, but it's and, true. And then we'd be back at the hotel and watch it because, again, part of the whole thing we're talking about is you know some of the funny stuff in the growing days. Uh, half the time you flew with the team, so <laughs> you wanted to watch the game because the next morning you were going to run into somebody at the airport who <laughs> questioned the call. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nope. So uh, who was a guy who was a guy Roy that that like they that maybe got up in your grill a little bit uh, at the airport after a long night and maybe a bad loss like did you ever like have to have like a pretty serious conversation with anybody over the years well the best situation is again we're talking pre 911 uh and US Air was the sponsor so we were all flying US Air at the time and the GM again a lot of times I traveled even with the Boston team um, to some of the places, but the GM would have one ticket with 25 boarding passes. <laughs> so all he would do was hand them out. So I just happened to be sitting, you know, on the aisle and Bruce Crawford was sitting on the window and who walked in and got the seat right between us, but Tommy Carmine. <laughs> and, you know, Tommy would, you know, have gone way back. Uh, he was a you know UMass player, you know, well after me. Uh, but the, the idea is uh, we had had a couple of situations in the game the night before. And he plopped himself right in between us. And it was like everybody just stared straight ahead. For the next four hours. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> well, maybe let's go with this one. Um, of course, uh, you know, I've, I've been a high fish level official in another sport. You get a ton of player excuses uh, just lack of knowledge of the rules. Sometimes their excuse actually validates the penalty you just called on. Yep. What's sure. the funniest or worst excuse you ever got from a player? Oh, um, I wouldn't even know who, but I think it was, you know, probably even the illegal stick. Then they wanted, I had to take the stick and they didn't get it short. back, right? They didn't like when you took the they, stick. They, did, they didn't. They didn't get it back. Yeah. And the stick was short, and then so then they wanted the head, and then I kept explaining that well, if you take the head, all I have is the handle, and I've got nothing to measure. And, <laughs> and it was different know, back then, Roy, because the, like not to cut you off here, but like it was different. It's not like the the, the mesh pocket here where you could string up 10 and 10 are going to throw exact. These things were like traditional pockets that took a lot of time to mold and dial in, if you will. And when you yes. took that away from a guy like that was like, no, that's my game. Like you can't have that. And and then it was like, well, Hey, I'll admit to it. It's, it's a penalty and everything else. I just want the stick. <laughs> I'm saying, but I've got to send it back. And it's almost like that baseball you know, that they, the, they take the bat, yeah, you know, and then it goes yeah. to the referee's room. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> oh, we man. had somebody that climbed in through, you know, so we gave it to the scorekeeper. He brought it into our locker room. And again, I can't remember who it was. I know, I think it was in Buffalo and they climbed up through the ceiling. And when we got in there after the game, <laughs> the stick wasn't there. Let's put that one on Kilgore. That sounds like a Kilgore move to me. Uh, well, I'll give him the credit for the one that uh, when we were in, again, going back to the early MILL, where they only sent one league rep 
and that league rep was really busy doing all the halftime promotions and whatever, but it was a playoff game that Buffalo was in Detroit, and they were both using the same exit aisle. Oh, so my. Detroit left their bench for us. Oh, no. And then here comes Buffalo, <laughs> and they actually pulled. Now, they know each other. You know, little do I know, you know, who they know and what. They pulled one of the Buffalo players into the locker room and locked the door. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that happen in a yeah. hockey game. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. and, oh my! And so now, Buffalo goes and steals all the goalies uh, or all the extra sticks that were on the bench. So the league rep was out on the field doing, you know, their halftime while I was trying to negotiate. And then finally, the whole idea was every player, as they left the locker room, could come out with one helmet and one stick. And I had to then go in and go through everybody's equipment and finally found the Buffalo helmet hanging in the shower. Oh man. With the little rubber cut out of the, uh, the pad sure. inside the helmet that had his number on it. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't uh, I? Why? I mean, that was, again, that was a fun time. Factor. These guys knew each other. Absolutely. I mean, that is a fantastic story. As we speak with NLL hall of famer, Roy Condon and, I mentioned seventh official to go in. Twenty-three years there. You get a few championship games to referee while while you're in the league. Uh, I want to say ninety-five, ninety-six, and ninety-nine. If I refer, no, ninety-four, ninety-five, ninety-nine. Uh, walk me through a, a few of those ones there, Roy. Like these these games back then. That was serious business when it came championship game time. What do you remember from those games? Serious business. Um, obviously, the crowd, you know, it, it really depended upon where the game was. You know, obviously, the two uh, most passionate fans at the time filling the arena was the, the Spectrum um, and Buffalo back at the Odd. And from, from Jump Street, I mean, um, each fan base had their own, uh, I'm thinking of, trying to think of the guy in the, uh, the Spectrum. With Chopper. The, the helmet and chopper somebody, yeah. um and you know just it would get the crowd you know going um it was physical from from the get-go now again that was after the league had finally taken hold uh the early part of the league it was difficult in that uh the, it started as american teams for the most part yeah. uh, or american players uh, and then I believe they they were allowed two Canadians, and then um, they and went Buffalo up to six. And, and the, yeah. came in, they had either six, and you know fighting was part of the game, or traditionally from the ice hockey. And there was a, a definite difference in the style of play and the philosophy that, or the unwritten rules. Right. We hear about all the unwritten right, rules right. of baseball. Well, you know the. Canadians and traditional boxing players, as you know, take exception with contact, however little, from behind around the boards. The American players would try and not hit a guy, but they wouldn't let uh, up. Squeeze, they, yeah, yeah, in around the boards, and they still wanted to fight for the ball. And then, but then, if a fight developed, or the American <laughs> player had a tendency off ball to wait for his kicks to come and things to open up, while they. Um, and the Canadian player would have a little contact off the ball. So sure. then when the fight happened, it was the American player really took exception to the fight, 
the Canadian player, like ice hockey, was saying, hey, what's the big deal? I mean, it's a fight. Five, you know, we get five minutes. That's over. We sit in the penalty box, and then we and then we come out and play. Yeah. You know, the team played five on five. What's the big deal? <laughs> the American guy kind of still held that grudge. Sure. So, um, you know, depending upon what the are obviously the original thing was for, and um, so that made it a little bit more difficult. Or again, it goes again early. I'm talking the American guy who was looking for. Uh, some kind of a difference in restitution uh, when when there'd be fouls. Yes. Um, that's a nice political American way to put it there, simple, Roy. American that's, guy would be a simple hole. That's about as nice you know, as you can say minutes. it right there, Look, looking for some sort of restitution. I think we know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had, a, I mean, we had a fight in Boston, so now here's, you know, Boston and Baltimore, uh, and it was a a skirmish slash fight, but right in front of the Boston bench. And the Boston team pulled the Baltimore player up over the boards. He's on the ground under the bench, and they're beating him. So now Baltimore people come off their bench. Boston had a tough time understanding why they were being penalized because they didn't come off the bench. (laughs) And it's like... We're just assaulting this guy on our bench. What's the problem? You know, we we were arbiters, you know, at the from Jump Street, um, you know, negotiators, and tried to, you know, explain some of the reasoning, you know, behind as 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 Foxy had said, as we started to change the rule book, we didn't have a lot of the the situations, you know, the the crease was, you know, the goalie's area, but. You know, it wasn't a crease violation if you just followed through and got out. Um, you know, and then what happens if there's a slight contact? You know, and then so people started to, as a good player, okay, show me the rules and Push I'll the find a way to yeah. try and circumvent it. Yeah. And um, so, as I say, that's why, or Fletcher even said, that's why we, you know, we're constantly trying to upgrade things and constantly in discussions. Now, one thing as an official is unless you're trying to concentrate on a game, sometimes you just get into one of these games and you got to sit back and thinking, this is quite the game. What would oh, be your what, what your favorite sure. game? I, I, I would say, I guess, going into, you know, if there's a favorite one, I don't know. You know, going into, you mentioned the arenas. Um, I guess the, I had a... I know it was a playoff game. I don't know if it was the finals. The finals, we probably came in the day before. We came into Toronto the day of the game and got held up at immigration. And we had been through there three or four times, no problem, same game, same uniform, same flight number, whatever. So we finally took a uh, a cab instead of the car. And the cab driver right in front of the Toronto Garden, the Maple Leaf Garden, passed the trolley car on the right and he stopped. And so then he got pulled over. We were only a block away. We jumped out of the cab. <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, you took, a, you took a cab across the border? Yeah. Uh, no, we were at the airport. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, um, you know, we had to get there. And then, um, so, you know, rushing into the locker room, getting changed, and I believe it was Philly at Toronto. Uh, and, you know, we had the one OT game. Uh, then the, the game, I think Foxy even talked about it with Marty O'Neill near the end of the game. 
coming out of his crease and cross-checking a guy from behind. Yeah. And, he, and the timer stopped the clock with eight seconds left. And it was like, get the clock going. We don't need this anymore. <laughs> That's where you're doing the windmill. Like, wind that sucker. Let's get out of here. Yeah. 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 Uh, speaking with Roy Kahn, an NLL Hall of Famer here. And I would imagine, Roy, like, you know, going into those arenas, uh, back in the odd, the spectrum, and, and all the rest of it, like, I know the players got a massive charge from the crowd, oh. and and I would expect that it was the same. Like I would expect the anxiousness, the goosebumps, and all the rest of it for the officiating crew too. Like that had to get the all the feels going for you when you ran out there. Oh, again, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't get to the the arena fast enough to look around. I mean, obviously the Boston Garden, the old Garden I had been to, um, Maple Leaf Garden, seeing no glass behind the the benches. You know, traditionally from ice hockey and the spectrum. Joe Lewis Arena. The crazy thing is you talk about that. Bill Fox came. The first thing he did when he got to the Boston Garden was sat behind an obstructed view. Mm. He wanted to sit in the seat right behind a steel girder. Yeah. Famously, you know, famously. Those, you know, the banners that were hanging, by all means, it was um, it, it, it was a great experience. Uh, well worth the trip. Well worth you know, the time that was involved. You've mentioned it off the hop. You officiated Brian Lemon many times. Do you, yep. of course, eventually became your boss. Do you have yep. one of those, you remember when <laughs> moments with him? Yeah, give, me a, give us a good Brian Lemon story here, if you can. <laughs> uh, nah, you know what? I'm going to play the fifth oh, one. Man. I'm going to see him in August. <laughs> yes, you will. You're going to Buffalo, yeah. Place. You're going to Buffalo. I haven't gotten my flights yet, so. Did he? Did he make, make the officials? Sure did, 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 did the officials have to wear the spandex like the players did back in the day too? Uh, no, um, we were in the well. I mean, we had the 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 shorts that were double knit shorts. The polyester. We went to the pants. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. They weren't. They weren't as spandex, but um, they they weren't baggy either. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, we had the long, uh, we had the soccer socks, and I think it was somebody who probably got a deal somewhere on them. Um, I've always so felt we did like have the. I've always felt like officials in in all sports kind of get the shaft when it comes to fashion. Like they always seem like they're twenty years behind the times. Right. Well, I remember that uh, uh, listening to Bill and saying, you know, that we kind of did something with the uniforms. And then he and someone else from maybe Chet Couture um, had gotten a uniform similar to what the um, the Canadian Box Summer League was doing, and it had stripes that came into a V in the front, and just something different, a little wider. And we wore them one game, and then we're told not to. Now I don't know if that was you know that they had an agreement with somebody else, but other than a little CCN you know patch on the back of a a jersey um that's all that we really had you know so it wasn't any kind of deal until you know fox started to fox 40 started to supply them and then a couple of years we either had to do helmets or you could sign a waiver so i didn't know uh, this right are you are you telling me that the famous fox 40 whistle is is bill fox's baby no okay no. Okay, okay. Uh, same name yeah no same name um Ron Foxtron, I believe, is his name, but he was a uh, a basketball official. Okay, uh, that would have been something. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would have been something. But I think he, he's up in the Canadian area. Yeah, I think it was. Nice. A, yep. I think it was a Canadian product. 
Yeah, it was. Um, now that uh, you've retired from officiating, what's your involvement in the game today? I uh, still do a little bit of uh, high school assigning, uh, but very minimal and uh, trying to probably wean down that. Um, I'm a snowbird, so I'm up here in Boston during the summer and go down to the Sarasota area in Florida. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did uh, did a dozen collegiate club games. Um, and then well, with COVID last year, so I finally, uh, I'm going to call it quits even at the club level, uh, just only because of down there, there's an incredible amount of travel. Yeah. And I think uh, it's time that, um, you know, for the younger guys, is I, I have one of the things that I had answered a question of, you know, if I had any experience, I mean, uh, advice for people, and it was a player and a coach, but as an official, we're responsible for training our replacement. You know, and that's a tough concept to get your hands around. Um, but it's it's really time that, you know, the replacements, you know, really start to uh, take hold. So uh, I'll still go to games. Um, I even, you know, when the Boston team had the outdoor league and the MLL, even after I stopped, you know, working, went to a couple of games. Um, won't go to eight anymore, but uh, a couple of nights out and try and hook up with the guys. Um, four people that uh, I trained as the assigner. I was the assigner for New England Collegiate for 35 years or so. And um, we had four New England guys working the NCAA finals this past year, two of which were from Maine. Nice. Uh, so, you know, I, I, got, I got to go to the NCAA finals and uh, see them and, um, you know, kind of take some gratitude that Absolutely. Uh, hopefully helped, hopefully helped them along the way to get there. Listen, Roy, you, you have a legacy in this league that's, that's going to live on forever. You're now a member of the NLL Hall of Fame, and that will live uh, on forever as well. And we ask all our Hall, Hall of Famers this, Roy, and, and listen, I think Tambo's going in. I think you mentioned Chet Couture. I think uh, there's a case to be made for, for Chet to go into the Hall, but – you got to yep. watch a lot of players, goaltenders, coaches over your 23 years officiating in the league. If there's a guy that, that's not in the Hall of Fame right now that you think belongs in, who would that be? Well, is, is Marty there? Marty O'Neill is not Marty in the Hall of Fame. No. A lot of goalies yeah. in there, but I mean, not Marty I, yet. I say I say that, um, and again, that's right, because I, I, I know that some, there was some recognition, but I never really followed it totally. And I, I just say from the, the contributions that he made uh, solidifying teams and obviously then going to Minnesota and the GM aspect of it as well. Yeah. Innovator um, in, in, in goalie well, gear as well too, Roy. Like he's helped develop yes, the box yes, goalie sure, gear. Yeah. 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 That could that could take a whole program in and of itself, measuring the goalie gears and the <laughs> yes. calipers and yes. um, and Sal Acasio coming in with a football iPad wrapped on the back of his glove, saying that you know he had an, a thumb injury. <laughs> Right, and, you know, just yeah, making I'm things sure, wider. Sure, and then, but, let's not forget about the the old football shoulder pad era as well. Yeah. Right, <laughs> like uh, that was that was something as well. We won't take up any more of your time, Roy. We really appreciate okay. you spending some with your uh, on on lacrosse classified with us, guys. And, thank you, yeah. thank you for that, and thank you for all you do promoting this game. Uh, our pleasure, man. Congratulations on a spectacular Hall of Fame career. Thanks for doing this.
Thank you. Hope to see you. Hope to see you in the end of August. You betcha. That was Hall of Famer Roy Condon there, Evan. And I know uh, you're a big fan of the officials and. Roy was was one of the good ones, man. An absolute legend. Twenty three years in the league. Did that like you got to be good at your job to stick around that long. And speaking of sticking around, somebody that has stuck around for the entire length of this podcast since day one. One of our favorite sponsors, Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Wherever your summer adventures may take you this summer, be sure to include Stampede Tack and Western Wear. In your plans, they're out there in Cloverdale. They have you covered with a great selection of riding and western gear to help you enjoy summer fun. Speaking of covered, Stampede Tack also has a wonderful array of hats to not only make you look good, but to protect you from that sun and those harmful UV rays. Stampede Tack and Western Wear, located in Cloverdale, Highway 10, 180th. They've been there since 1966. Or, don't be shy, shop online. It's still shopping local, stampede.com. C. Hey, it's halftime here on Lax Class. We're moving into the third quarter, second half action next. Quick sticks are coming up here. Lax Class, back after this. Hi, this is Bill Fox, NLL Hall of Fame referee, and you're listening to Lax Class. Second half action is a go on Lax Class. We're into the third quarter. Third quarter means it's time for quick sticks. we got a fair bit here, Evan. I, I'm going to start with all the signings. and like, I, Part of me just wants to say go to the NLL transaction page, but if, if something jumps off the page that you hear once I'm through all this, then get at me. Okay, Evan? So take notes oh, here okay. because I'm going to rifle through this as quick as I can. Christian Del Bianco and Tyler Pace and Zach Currier signed 7.182 restricted free agents. The Georgia Swarm assigned Matt Dunn, Miles Thompson, Joel White, Jordan Hall all to one year, and they've signed Ryan McSpadgen to a two-year agreement. Halifax, Scott Campbell, Steph LeBlanc, one year. The Toronto Rock, Reed Reinhold to one year. The Bandits get Kyle Buchanan for one. The Birds get Jake Withers to a five-year deal. We don't see too many of those. Taylor Stewart, one year in Panther City. The Seals have qualified Westberg. Firewolves have traded Bouquet for a fifth rounder. We talked about that. Riptide, Tyson Gibson, former number one overall pick one year. Seals, Brody Merrill, he's back one more year for San Diego. Sheldon Burns to one year for Toronto. The Roughnecks have designated Curtis Dixon as their franchise player, and they have signed Dan Taylor to a one-year agreement. The Mammoth have signed Cadillac Carlson to another year. Welcome back into the NLL, Tyler Carlson. Happy to see it. Uh, the Roughnecks have signed Captain Dan McRae, Jay Thornbert, and one Andrew Suter, the champ, to one-year agreements. The Philadelphia Wings, Benny Mack gets three years, Kevin Crowley gets a year, and Anthony Yoakum gets two. Here we go. No, 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 not done, Evan. Not done. Roughnecks have traded Chad Cummings and Anthony Kalinich to the Panther City Lacrosse Club in exchange for the 15th overall selection. The Warriors have signed their number two overall pick, Reed Bowering, to a two-year agreement. Nice little video done up there by the Warriors. Uh, And they signed Bouquet for one year after signing him, or trading for him, I should say. The Rush have played the franchise tag on Kyle Rubish. The Rock have signed Adam Jay to two years. The Firewolves lock up Joey Rez and Davey Emila to one-year agreements. The Wings have signed Ryan Wagner to one year now, Evan. So so the three that stand out, first off, the trade there between Calgary and Panther City. Mm. I, I think it's a great trade for Panther City. I, I'm a little surprised uh, what Calgary got in return there because 
15 in the draft is not an overly deep pick. No. no. But I almost feel uh, like they their their back end is full enough. Like they got Matsuoka coming in, they got uh Patty Dodds coming in. They So I think they kind of felt like Cummings and Kalinic might be on the outside looking in anyways. So why not mm-hmm. bump yourself up in the draft a little bit? And 15, you're going to get somebody solid that is going to come into your lineup and probably two years from now where these guys are probably going to be watching from the sidelines. Yeah. The, the Jake Weathers contract, first off, Kurt Styers has done this kind of thing before. You know, he signed Cody Jameson to 10, mm. right? So, so not a shock there. And Jake Weathers is several years away from being a free agent. So I'd sign Weathers you know, for but, five years. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Um, and Danny Mack, a three-year deal, if I'm not mistaken, was it correct in New York? We'll have to double-check on that one, but I want to say it's but, two years. Okay, but I mean, the the guy that they've basically picked as their free agent, we can franchise you type. No, player, it's only one year. Right? Only one. Yeah, it's only one year. Yeah. but you know what? Still, you got your leader. You got your captain. No, and you right? got Andrew Suter there in, in the leadership department, and Jay Thornburg for that matter, who is very. Uh, there's a guy, Evan, that could easily become a stampede stallion. Jay Thornburg. He might even be on the list already. I don't even know. I'll have to check. Okay, so we're through all the signings and the trades and all the rest of it. So let's get into some more quick sticks here. I saw the TLL. They were supposed to have their season and run like a tournament. Uh, in the middle of August, that got shut down, but they're going to do like a combine showcase sort of thing. I don't really know exactly how it's all going to roll out, but uh, stay tuned for that. That's going down in St. Catharines. The NLL has partnered up with them, and we'll see how That's many guys. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah it, it is. Because, I mean, there was this battle between Ontario Junior and the Still TLL, is, I right? believe. Yeah, like and obviously – if Kurt Styers is the guy behind the TLL, the NLL is going to go to that league for a showcase. There's no question. Well, I but think now, Kurt Styers is, is the also... Ontario Junior League going to have a problem with guys going to this? I don't know. Uh, maybe. They're, I think their season will be done by then anyway, so I don't think it's going to matter because most of the guys going are going to be guys that are graduating anyways. But with that being said, there's also a tournament going on on Turtle Island at the same time with five Junior A teams. I think Mimico, Orangeville, a couple of First Nations teams in there as well, and maybe Nepean, something like that. I, I should probably know. Me and uh, one Tedward Jenner are, are going back east uh, in the middle of the month next month to call this thing from the Turtle Dome. I am absolutely fired up. I'll, I'll get you more details on where and when you can watch this, but I'm like I think – I'm looking forward to doing the work and calling game, but going to the turtle dome is, is probably like the most exciting thing to me. I'm really, really looking forward to this trip. Yeah. And you know, I guess the question in that tournament is going to be, do guys go to that? Well, that's it. The because this is just like a one. And I think they got to pay to play as well. So, you know, how many guys are, are going to want to sign up when you're putting down a few hundred bucks? I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. But some guys are definitely going to want to get noticed, too. So I don't think those two regions are particularly close together either. So maybe, you know, the decision becomes a little bit easier in that regard as well. Uh, the MSL fired up uh, last week, Evan, and it's been great to watch. One thing that was not great to watch is – the injury to one Dan Lomas, uh, half of the back of the bird, and of course New York Riptide. 
man, if you've seen the video of this, they, they kind of pan the camera away from it, and rightly so. It didn't really look like much happened, but when you start to hear the, the screams coming from, from Danny, you know he's in some kind of pain, and, and I don't want to speculate, but I think it was his Achilles, and that's a, that's a long road of recovery ahead for one Dan Lomas, and I just want to wish him my best. Yeah. One of the good guys around the league and, and friend of the program here as well, and, and you never want to see a guy get injured like that, and especially to, to Danny, who you know, I, I really felt like he was just starting to kind of come into his own in the mm-hmm. league and was primed for, for a big year coming up. And then to have that happen, tough, tough blow for, for Dan Lomas and the yeah. Riptide for that matter. And, and I I hope for a speed of recovery for, for him. Yeah, great guy. Um, and, yeah, he he got a second chance in the league and he made the most of it. And he was now one of their top-line forwards and now you know it's it's a year of recovery, right? Yeah. So yeah, and and you never know where well, that. You and hope and that this the is my worry. Back. This is my worry, Evan. Is that you know we've seen this, um, you know we've seen guys go down in, in junior, and it's like, and I heard Teddy talking about it as well. Like, you just you can't replicate live game action in the sport of lacrosse, no matter what you do, until you get out there and get hit and cut and all the rest of it. Like, you cannot replicate that, and the fear is these guys have been sitting around not playing competitive games for a long, long time, and most guys will be okay, but there is going to be, I want to say, one or two guys on each team that, that are going to come up with a significant injury just from lack of playing. It's going to happen whether they want it to or not, because I don't think there's anything you yeah. can really do about it. But they're playing all these games at the track, correct? They are. So, so it's not so it's not like they're playing on concrete. And, no, 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 right. And that's that's been a constant problem in the past. But I don't see any teams telling these guys don't play. No, right? and, and they and they, they right? couldn't even if they wanted to. I think Evan, unless they're willing to to pay whatever they're making in the summer, like they they can't really do it. They may start to work that into NLL contracts moving forward, like coming up, but it's not in there right now. But after tw- after. Oh, what it's been 22 months or something like that of inactivity that they're going to have. Yeah, you know, I I wouldn't say no, right? I want this guy to get no some games in action because in. you know, like it's it's going to happen when they start training camp as well. If it doesn't happen in the summertime, it's still going to happen. It's just going to happen later. So we'll keep our eye on that. I wanted to get a an Ontario Junior A lacrosse update as well. This has been. Uh, Something to watch here, Evan. Like, everybody's kind of beating everybody. They're playing massive amount of games in a short amount of time. And the parody in Ontario has been really fun to watch. Like, some crazy scores, some really good talent, and some competitive back-and-forth lacrosse. It's been entertaining back there in Ontario. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a little unfortunate for some of these guys that are going to graduate and not get another chance at a minto, but... yeah. You know, make the most of what you got. Um, and when we look at look at the RMLL standings there this morning, get this: St. Albert Miners still undefeated, and this is a team that would win two or three games a year most years, right? And the the simple answer is the coaching. And get, you know, I mean, you got John Lynch, the head coach, 
you got Keegan Ball as their special teams coach, and oh, they've got a former Defensive Player of the Year in Ryan Dilks, who just happens to live in Edmonton as <laughs> their defensive coach. Pretty good. You get the right coaches in there, right? Absolutely. And get the right systems in there. They go from next to nothing to top of the league in record time. So I think a few games are, are winding up here in the BCJ as well, uh, just today, in fact, here on Sunday. But Burnaby Lakers sitting at 6-2, and two, Nanaimo sitting at 5-2, and two, Adnax winners of their last, I want to say four, sitting at 6-3, and three. Saints coming in at 5-3, and three, and Shamrocks at 4-3. and three. They still have a couple games to go, Bellies at 3-4. and four. So some new new blue bloods at the top here with with the Lakers and team in where the Adnacks and, and Shamrocks are sitting in the three and five and the Saints are wedged in there at four. So Belly's down there in six. It's been an interesting year of BC Junior Lacrosse as well. Their playoffs are on the horizon here, starting up in a couple of days as well. Stay tuned for that. We're hoping to to get these things webcast a little bit as well. Nothing official yet, but stay tuned here to Lax Class uh, in the coming coming weeks. WLA Young Stars Combine goes August 7th, Evan. This is going to be an all-day event from Coquitlam. They're going to have a bunch of young guys uh, that are graduating, competing in a game, and then draft picks from the last two years, competing in a bunch of mini-games. This is going to be a lot of young, high-end talent, and an all-day event in Coquitlam. Just 5 bucks to get in, or you can check it out at bcsports.tv. I strongly suggest you tune into this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, one thing I didn't have on the list, but I was going to mention it, it's just catching up on this afternoon. Mm. PLL, the chaos. Now that they got this, all these defensive players out of the, or these uh, field players out of their offense, this team's starting to gel. <laughs> now, if you want a great Andy Tower speech, go take a look at the chaos Twitter page. Okay. But the one guy that I got to mention here, and I was glad he made the all star lineup, Dane Smith. Yeah. Because here's a guy that has unbelievable lacrosse fundamentals starting to when figure out the field PLL, game. yeah he's starting to figure it he out didn't have any field experience now teams have finally had to switch their stance on Dane. he was getting the short stick matchups and got and burning everybody so now finally teams have caught on to the fact that you can't put the short stick on them anymore yeah and you know taking a guy that just didn't have the experience and now he's an all-star phenomenal turnaround got to get an xll update in there evan i know we're recording on sunday this comes out on tuesday so the game will have been played but skyhawks and gray wolves tonight every sunday 6 p.m bc sports.tv is where you can watch the xll we still got a few weeks left championship game comes up august 22nd the fellas at extreme threads there made a belt the championship belt for the winners of the inaugural extreme lacrosse league champion so that's pretty cool and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, the Phenom, Del Bianco, said he's scoring twice tonight or he's fighting Dane Doby. So we'll see how that shakes down <laughs> this evening well, from Coquitlam. Well, his tweet last week about having to defend Dane Doby. Yeah, not good for business. Was, uh, not good for business. Yeah. Um, speaking of interesting, I can't believe this happened, but Steve Fryer had his goalie gear stolen, his Rochester gear from his locker. So if you're here in the Lower Mainland listening to this podcast and you're out and about around the rinks and you see somebody sporting some Rochester Nighthawk gear that doesn't look like they should be really good enough to be wearing Rochester Nighthawk gear, chances are they're probably not supposed to be wearing Rochester Nighthawk gear. Steve Fryer looking 
to get his pads back. Yeah, help out the deep if you can. Couple There's more a reward out there for them. Yeah, well, there that. should be. Couple more quick sticks here, Evan. I don't know if you saw this. Upstate Collegiate Box Lacrosse League, Liam Keane. Did you see the goal scored in Rochester from this kid? This one I missed. Oh, my goodness. So, face-off, they're playing up at Blue Cross. Face-off at center. Two guys come in on a on a quick two-on-one. you got to go watch this goal, dude. And this guy takes the pass from the two-on-one. He's, he's, a, he's a righty, but he's on the wrong side of the floor. Takes his stick, a la John Tavares, puts it in his left hand, leaps into the air, and Dunks it with his left hand as he's flying past the short side post. This this goal was spectacular. Check out Liam Keane in the Upstate College Box Lacrosse League. Well worth a watch of that goal. Uh, two more quick sticks here, Evan. We both got a ding last week, if you'll recall. So the updated good question ding score is now 10-7 for yours truly. Remember, I gave you a bonus two because you're you're taking over from Brad, who's lacking in that department. So I gave you a little buffer, but you're down three. 10-7 is the score. It's a race to 20, just so you know. Last one, NLL 35 moments. Hall of Famer, we had him on the program. Bob Whipper Watson wins the championship and the MVP in his final game of his illustrious career. I think that's the second time he used illustrious this show. Watson considered retirement after losing in the 2010 finals to the Stealth, but decided to give it one more season. He got his redemption versus the Stealth in the 2011 finals and secures his sixth championship. One of the best to ever do it, Whipper Watson and a little 35 moments. Yeah, he absolutely was. Oh, and hey, speaking of standing, there was a question on Twitter this week about the who you got yeah. for the season that was. Yeah, I think you, you, like you said, I think you were losing, but we never really... No, I was I was ahead by about uh, two or three. That, I don't know, but that doesn't sound right to me. Maybe I have to go back and check the tape if it's still available, Evan. I, I think I was ahead in that, and, and honestly, we never really uh, had decided on on a punishment or or a you know a prize for for the winner so you can go back you can you know maybe try and find where the the last updated who you got standings were if you can prove it then then we can have a discussion about it but to, until then I'm, I'm just gonna pretend like I was ahead when when things got shut down hey uh what was I just gonna say? Now I lost my train of thought here, man. Um, the heck was I? Do- oh, I was gonna say that you know, like talking with all these Hall of Famers has been absolutely spectacular. Like, I these are some of the conversations that I've enjoyed the most, and and some of my favorite interviews over the course of this podcast. But my God, am I ready to talk about? some games again and break down some some games <laughs> like play who you got maybe hand out a report card or two and and we're getting close seven like draft is mm-hmm. is just around the corner training camps are going to be starting in late october and then we're just a couple of months away from live game action like uh, the day cannot come soon enough here where we can start talking about the games oh. once again i mean i i'm just hopeful at this point you know we're seeing don't cases on the rise in southern u.s again right now well let's just put it out here right now for you americans evan like i know like people are like yeah we're fully open we're back this delta variant that's going on down there like if you haven't got vaccinated like 
please. Like, it's coming back if you don't. So do the right thing. Like, the only way this crap is going away, Evan, is if people get vaccinated. So figure it out. Uh, I want. I want to. Believe me, I know it way too well. I want to play some. I want to see some lacrosse. I want to watch some lacrosse. I want to announce some lacrosse, and that needs to happen in December. Get vaccinated. Quick sticks is now over. We're heading for the fourth and final quarter here on Lax Class One Forty Three. Stampede Stallion of the Week is next. Stay right here, Lacrosse Classified, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Mark Matthews of Team Canada, Saskatchewan Rush, and the Peterborough Lakers. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into the fourth and final quarter here on Lax Class 1. What are we on, Evan? 143, I think. Yeah, that's what we're on. Uh, before we get into no, our... What, 146, isn't it? No. It's much... Cannot. I can't remember. <laughs> you got me all messed up here, man. Well, yeah, it's 143. Stop confusing me. Okay. Uh, before we get into our Stampede Stallion here, I would like to ask you politely if you could subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening to your podcasts uh, these days. Also, throw down a review. Take a couple of minutes, uh, say some nice words, say some bad words, say any words. Just put the review down there. And don't forget to follow us on social media as well. I am at PXP, the number four sports. Evan is at Shem Lax. The show, of course, is at Lax Class on Twitter, at Lacrosse Classified on Gmail, or at Instagram. We got a Facebook page and an email as well. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. You can always just like text me if you have my phone number as well. Lacrosseclassified at gmail.com is where you can email us. We would love to hear from you if you have any suggestions on what you like, what you don't like uh, about the show, anything that's on your mind, really. Got any questions about the game, sport, league, what have you. Send them our way and we would appreciate it. We will respond. I promise. Evan, uh, it's a little dusty on the trail today, but uh, secure up your, your hat there that you got from Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Tighten up the boots, uh, cinch up the belt buckle, or we are off to the Stampede Stables. <laughs> Here we are at the Stampede Tack in Western Wear. I think I just heard the barn door swing open there uh, for the Stampede Stables. As uh, Evan, I mentioned in the first quarter, you had not picked a stallion as we hit the record button. Well, you're out of time, cowboy. Who is your Stampede Stallion this week? Well, last time I went with the theme of a transition player that was a thoroughbred speed, right? Let's go down the exact same path. Saskatchewan Rush. Oh, shocking. Shocking. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, but here's the thing. Once again. Make your case Corn- for Jeff Cornwall okay. right now. Okay, so Cornwall at least has a, a little bit more name recognition within that Rush defense, potentially because of the game-winning goal back in 2016. Mm. Right? Uh, I'll, most people say it's the most important goal in Rush history. I put it down to the second most. I put Marty Dinsdale's the prior year that was the most important, but um, here's the thing. This is a guy 
much like Joey Capito, once he's got the ball, and if you're not looking, he's gone, right? He's one of those guys that can read the play very well, get up in the play quickly. Um, if you think about it, I, I was watching the replay of that that goal there that uh, won the cup back in 2016. Mm. And it's a shot from Banesh that goes wide off the, the dasher in the bottom of the boards. And he's reading this, and he's a good six steps past Dave Smith within no time, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Like, the, the size of his quads is ridiculous. Like, I, I think that's where the power is generated from for Jeff Cornwall. But you're right. Like, straight line, end-to-end, it's it's lightning fast for Jeff Cornwall. And a nice little finish when he's up there, too. Having a 10-goal season in that 2016 season. And, you know, six goals, seven goals. So, the guy could put the, the – you know, he's got 26 points he had that year uh, for Jeff Cornwall. What did they what did they give up to Buffalo? To, it was like a second rounder or something to get Jeff Cornwall out of there? Yeah, it was it was not much. Yeah, and now and and like I think the thing with with Jay Corns here is that with Corbeil, Rubish, Messenger, Dilt, like he just gets overlooked. But this this guy, I'm telling you, would be a number one or a number two on pretty much any other team in the league. He is that stout defensively as well. Yeah, that's one of the keys. So, you know, we were talking last week. You know. Some transition players are worried about who they're matching up with because they're out there as transition players, right? Mm-hmm. Jeff Cornwall doesn't matter who he's matched up against. No. Um, and does he look physically imposing with like the, a Mike Messenger? With no. his shirt off, he does, but not, but not when you're thing. like lined that's up against it. <laughs> It's misleading. It's very misleading. I don't know. There was a picture circling around on the internet. It was years ago, but it was Jeff Cornwall, and I don't. He must have been in the midst of some sort of bodybuilding competition. He was like doing like the Hulk flex with his shirt off, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like he's he's shrunk down a little bit since then because I just don't think he could play the game properly being that jacked up. Uh, But he's 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 a strong boy, Evan. He's a strong boy. What's up? How many week? How many times a, a day does he do those steps there? Oh God! I mean, Travis. I see Travis there more than than I see Jeff there. But in one day, like I think Travis will do it like six times. But then he does it like, you know, he'll walk the first one, he'll jog the second one, he'll do two two steps on the third. Like he does all sorts of crazy stuff. I just hope I make it to the top. So. Uh, they're, they're both freaks. Uh, Travis might be a little upset that Jeff is a stallion before him, but uh, he shouldn't be because, who knows, maybe Brother Travis will join him one day. But for this week, Evan, Jeff Cornwall, welcome to the stable, my man. You are this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. And, of course, Evan, the Stampede Stallion brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear where they've been long known for being Canada's best variety of Western and cowboy boots. But did you know they also carry a great selection of CSA-approved boots as well? Boots approved for the job site for both men and ladies, Blundstone and Boggs, or for all-day comfort, they have the Work Hog for men by Ariat. And for the ladies, brand new, just in stock, the CSA-rated Rivier by Ariat. I've been practicing my French once again. It's now available on in pull-on or lace-up version. 
Uh, I, I would probably go with the pull-on because I can't tie up a lace on, on my left foot anymore, Evan. I just can't reach. By the way, surgery coming up for yours truly in September. Uh, getting a new hip. I'm looking forward to it. But you can support the Canadian Made uh, with CSA and do it by buying Boulet or Canada West boots. Stampy Attack and Western Wear located in Cloverdale since 1966. Shop online. We're still shopping local. Stampede.com. C. Hey. So t- speaking of this hip, mm. now you you posted on social media this week that you had your first old man conversation. <laughs> Are you going to have a walker now that you have this hip surgery? Well, maybe for a couple weeks. Yeah, like it's there's a bit of a recovery in there. I might go with the. Uh, I might try and just work the cane if I can. Not go to the full walker or crutches, but it's whatever it is, man. And and literally, I'll probably have to go right back on the list to to get in line to get my right one done after. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm honestly, I've been like in pain for a good stretch, like three years I'm talking here. So I'm looking forward to getting this done and, and feeling like a new man. So September 14th uh, is when that is going down. Evan, the show is about to go down because we are done. A big thank you to Roy Condon, to our sponsor, Stampy Tack, the Warriors Associated Labels and Packaging for sponsoring the podcast. And to you, of course, the listener, for checking out Lax Class each and every week. We'll be back next Tuesday, every Tuesday, right here via the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for another Lax Class. But for now, we're out of here. For Evan Schemenauer, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, stay classified.